0: It's time for a Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's princess of policy, Princess Di.
1: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time where America bows before the princess. <laughs> it is time, ladies and gentlemen, where Her Majesty graces us With her thoughts, (laughs) which become our commands, it is time for our princess, Princess Diana, our very own Princess Di. Welcome, Princess Di. How are you this morning?
0: Well, thank you, Sir James, the Knight of the Golden Order. So happy to hear your voice.
1: Well, thank you, my dear. So listen, um, we have selected three stories for analysis this morning. And do I sound like a nut job this morning?
0: Not at all. I am always so happy when you uh, push the button on passion and you just you know, kind of unleash the real inner Sir James. And it is always wonderful because you speak for the rest of us and you have such power in your uh, words and your rhetoric that it is just so appreciated, appreciated out here. Well, thank you. I'm
1: not looking for, I wasn't looking for, you know. It's but the just Sometimes I just, I am, sometimes I just think smoke. that, you know, like when I, these, Diana, that woman that was using the, the, the language, by the way, and she said i'm just so frustrated by all of this and that's how i feel i think we all it's like how can these people not see what they are doing to this country
0: oh they do i think it's purposeful and i think they completely underestimate the you use the word fury In your last segment, I think that the powers that be, the elites, underestimate the fury that is growing, and there are signs of it everywhere, and they're always surprised when we express ourselves at elections or in, say, truck convoys or any of those things. They're always so shocked, and I think that that, we're going to shock them in November and elections following.
1: Well, that's a good place to start because New York Times – uh, last week ran a huge story for them. You know, they're reporters now, usually not capable of writing any more than one or two pages. But this one was actually a doozy. How can Democrats stop a red wave? Now, you never see articles anywhere in The Hill, in, in, in Politico, in The Times, or the WAPO about how can how can how can Republicans win? how can republicans here 's how they can win here's some advice hey Republicans do this to win, but you always see this in these places. How can Democrats win again how can how can we win even though it looks terrible So what was that new york Times article how Diane how can Democrats stop a red wave?
0: <laughs> I think this is the most hilarious piece i've read. This was from last week, February first. And it is basically what the media has come to be, which is advice to the Democrats and prophecies that the Democrats are just fine and they're going to win. And it's basically uh, magical thinking and pixie dust. But let's just list the seven ifs that this piece says has to happen for Democrats to win. And they are all hilarious, except for one. And um this is the thesis that everyone else may think a red wave is building, but what if it isn't? And here are the seven ifs that these two authors, Blake Hounsel and Leah Ascarium, say have to happen for the Democrats. If here's number one, if Democrats can get Biden voters to show up. <laughs> After all, Biden beat Trump by more than 7 million votes, they say. So therefore, (laughs)
1: all
0: all, all Democrats have to do is get these voters to show up. So that's the first if.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. That's easy.
0: (laughs) The the, the second if is if America regains a sense of normalcy. Ah! If if inflation could be down to a manageable level by the summer. (laughs) How is that supposed to happen?
1: By wishing?
0: This is why why it's magical thinking and pixie dust. This is their second if. If Wishing and hoping. Remember
1: that song by Dionne Warwick? Wishing (laughs) and hoping and blah, blah. (laughs) I mean, that's what this is.
0: Yes. If Democrats could enter the midterms as the party that defeated COVID and brought the economy roaring back to life, this is this is what they're basing on stopping Republicans on this if. Well, yeah, if if Democrats could do that, they would have done it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Your... Okay. Here's the third if. If Biden finds a winning message.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's found one. He's found the winning message, Diana. Don't don't laugh at that. Biden has found his winning message. You know what it is. Crack. No, not the crack pipes. That's, that's Hunter's winning message. Joe's Joe Biden's winning message is, the Russians are coming! The Russians are coming! The Russians are coming! But Joe, they're headed to the Ukraine. But the Russians are coming! The Russians are coming! The Russians are coming, Russians are coming. Russians are coming right
0: now! Maybe even during the Olympics. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that's a whole other subject. Well, this uh, the New York Times says that the president is finally recognizing his superpower, which What's is empathy. His,
1: his empathy. superpower? He can't even stay awake. What the hell superpower does Joe Biden have?
0: Empathy because he cares, supposedly, except when he's scolding the media and he's scolding <laughs> the rest of us and calling us all names. And the other thing that... Yeah, that's
1: right, that Diana. Is... I have empathy for you, you bull Connor Republican. That's right. <laughs> you want to put these black people back in chains, don't you? Yeah, I have I empathy for you.
0: Empathy. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I don't want to send my kids to a jungle school.
0: I don't want... Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't Ooh, in there. Yeah. Oh, oops. That was a former Biden that was yeah that was, can... yeah, that
1: was Biden before he started calling other people the racist. When he was actually... Not afraid to be the big racist himself. Oops, I digress. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting.
0: Okay, so number three, if Biden finds a winning message, and they say he should embrace solverism, which is solving problems, So that would be his winning message. Of course, he hasn't solved a single problem. He has created thousands of new problems that we're all feeling in the economy and in crime and and all of the other things that he is supposedly helping America by destroying America. So that is number three. That's not going to happen. Number four is the only one on this list of seven that they have potential if redistricting is more or less even. And so I don't know if you followed this story, but the Democrats are fighting tooth and nail in these redistricting fights, which are held in court, which, of course, is their, you know, happy hunting grounds. So they've been able to battle Republicans who typically take a dive on these fights because of past court rulings. But on redistricting and on gerrymandering, the Democrats have been having some success. It's not going to be enough to save them. So that's the only one on the list. That I'm going
1: to come back to that because I have been following yeah. that story.
0: We can talk about that. But that's the only one that they actually have some potential. It's not going to have any uh, a winning potential for them. The uh, number five is if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, they think that they're going to be able to get the Democrat voters out in the streets. However, they did know, these New York Times writer, that in the past that in the Virginia race, the governor race, that wasn't an issue, and they expected it to be. Democrats expected that to be a voting issue, and it wasn't. So that has gone quiet, actually. But if the Supreme Court does rule on that, that could probably make some activists even matter. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: But the number six is if Republican candidates go hard right because we all know, according to them, the Republican brand is toxic. Republicans are extremists. January 6th, January 6th, insurrection, insurrection. So they expect (laughs) to be able to use that. And then the last of the seven is if Trump seizes center stage. Oh, please. If Trump
1: seizes center stage, it's all over for Democrats.
0: Yes, and that's what they admit that, uh uh-oh, if they do talk, if candidates do talk about Trump, that actually energizes Republicans. Mm-hmm. So all of their seven ifs are are pixie dust, as they say. And, you know, I think that if they're building their hopes on this New York Times article, their hopes will be dashed.
1: Well, OK, so we've got that. Now, let me circle back to this redistricting. Mm-hmm. OK, in New York, Democrats are trying to write out Republican districts and they may have some measure of success. In Maryland, they did it. These Democrats that always whine about Republicans redistricting them out of this, and they're not fair, these people are the biggest redistricting crooks there are on the planet. Next up. Let's talk about Sarah Palin. That went to the jury. Now, Now, I keep hearing, Diana, that if Sarah Palin wins this case... That not only is her New York Ranger guy that she's dating now going to yes. be happy, but it's going to mean the end of journalism as we know it. <laughs> and the journalist, this is the Washington Post ran a story. The existential, notice that they like that word, the existential yeah. threat from climate change. And so this was their headline the existential dread of journalists watching the Sarah Palin trial.
0: Notice how they call it the Sarah Palin trial As if she's on trial She brought suit, a defamation suit Against the New York Times So even in the headline They're trying to basically skewer Sarah Palin And it is an existential threat actually Because here's the question that all of media is asking What if we can't smear conservatives anymore? (laughs) (laughs) threat to journalism, because that is basically their bread and butter. And, I, you know, just to go back, of, just to outline what happened, because this article really doesn't. This is all about a June 14th, 2017 editorial called America's Lethal Politics. And it came on the heels of the, of the um, shooting during the baseball practice of Representative Steve Scalise and several others if you recall and that prompted the New York Times because it was the shooter was a Bernie follower was basically to blame republicans in this editorial bringing up their old uh, lie that there was a connection between Sarah Palin's pamphlet which had little Xs over certain districts she was was uh, fighting and the shooting in Tucson, Arizona, of Rep. Representative Gabby Giffords by the nutcase, J- Jared Lee Lofner, who, who had no motivation of politics whatsoever. So there was no connection. They happened six months apart. But the New York Times, in an editorial, connected those two after the shooting by the Bernie brother at the baseball practice. So this was a complete mess. The talking points on the left are always to blame Republicans when something is negative for the left. And so the editor included a sentence which basically accused Palin of inciting murder. And he wrote the word incitement to describe how Palin's political record was linked to the 2011 shooting, which it wasn't. So she saw this and And the the whole lawsuit has been making its way through the courts. It's finally in court now. And the jury, as you say, got the final arguments last week, and they are in deliberation. They are expected to issue a verdict next week. And if it's true that Palin wins, which, you know, it looks like she might – Because her case is pretty strong that this was deliberate, that this editor injected all kinds of statements in there, even though their own fact checkers said, no, don't do it. So the the piece that you reference in The Washington Post basically is claiming that this was sloppy work. That's all it was, was just an honest mistake. This is they're using the Sandy Berger defense. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I put the documents in my pants by mistake. And, (laughs) folks, that's real. Bill Clinton's guy, Sandy Berger, who we now call Sandy Burglar, took classified documents, stuffed them in his pants. And when he got busted, he said, oh, it was a mistake. I didn't mean to stuff yeah. these documents in my pants and walk out of the National Archives.
0: And his socks and whatever. And the entire media came to his defense. Oh, that's just Sandy. He's floppy. He's, you know, absent-minded. And he just puts things randomly into his clothing. And so the Clintons just absolutely made the case and the media helped that this was just sloppy work. And they always fall back on that when they can't defend the actions and that's what this article in the washington post by margaret sullivan does basically saying, well it's just uh, yeah he put the word incitement and he did all these things and changes and ignored his fact checkers just because he was under deadline he was pressure, he had so many things going on i mean the the defense in this article are, is amazing because they're saying well it was deadline pressure well this event happened in 2011 so it, there was no time pressure for what he was writing. He came up with it because that is a leftist talking point. They believe it to this day. And so he said what he said, and he meant what he said, and, and it is a smear. And therefore, if the, the media can no longer smear Republicans or smear conservatives, they will have nothing to write.
1: All right. Last up, and we're running out of time quickly, the Biden administration thinks you're stupid. And this is a, a, a story about the crack pipes. Now, I'm going to just go to the nuts and bolts of it. Look, we got the reports. The Biden administration, part of their funding is going for crack pipes. The left went on a tear with their fact checkers claiming this wasn't true, which is the basis of this article in the, in the Washington Free Beacon, freebeacon.com. The Biden administration thinks you're stupid. So run that bias real quick, Diana.
0: Well, it just started on the 2nd of February, or or the 7th, and and that was when the article came out by Patrick House, which was the Biden administration to fund crack pipe distribution to advance racial equity and you went with the story that day i think you really advanced that story i think that because i had seen the reaction people online were sort of commenting on it mildly but when you you got really passionate about it and when you went nuclear that thing flew around and all of a sudden it went viral and there was 24 hours of silence by the biden administration and really, it became a problem for them. They had no answer until two days later, when all of a sudden, the HHS secretary ruled out any use of funds for crack pipe. So they changed their policy. This is something that liberals have been doing for generations, this, this helping addicts be addicts distributing clean needles and all that this has been going on for decades and this is part of how they think that this is how you address a social problem by making it easier to have the social problem and they have have no contact with common sense at all as you were describing before so they were completely shocked completely caught unawares when people reacted like are you kidding me you're giving crack pipes to crack addicts what is wrong with you and they have
1: Then their fact-checkers stepped in and claimed none of it happened. Donna, we got to run to a break. I'm going to do more on this story, and we're going to do some more on this story, because these use of fact-checkers by the left is dastardly. These people, these fact-checkers are lying every chance they get and just covering for liberals. I agree,
0: and plus this is the intersection of common sense and liberalism, which rarely happens like this. This is an instructive story. And I think that the homeless issue and the addict issue is something that is really going to hurt them in the midterms.
1: That's Diana Mee, Princess of Policy, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Stanley with you. we got to go for a break. We're coming back more your telephone calls as we continue. Don't go away.